welcome to another American Scouser podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Timuchin, today, and today with us is one of our newest contributors, and he's actually the president of the Nashville Official Laboratory Sports Club. Jonathan Slape is with us. Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining the, uh, the site as a whole, really, and uh, you'll be doing uh, some of the segments uh, for the new coming season in terms of like uh, a Premier League preview and stuff like that. So a lot of exciting stuff going on with the side. We'll kind of like cover some of those uh, towards the end of the podcast. But um, let's start with you first, obviously, aside from uh, being the president of the Nashville Sports Club, you're also very involved with the, the Major League Soccer team in Nashville. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I, uh, you know, co-host and um right covering the uh, Nashville SC. So um, podcast is called Speedway Soccer. Um, and then, you know, we were our own website, speedwaysoccer.com, but have moved into uh, Broadway sports uh, media. And so it's been an interesting journey going from, you know, this is Nashville's first year in Major League Soccer. So um, seeing the team grow is from a second division team. Um, so they spent two years in, in the USL. Um, so it's, it's definitely been interesting to watch, you know, the sport as a whole grow um, within Nashville. So um, I'm also involved in, in another group called the American Outlaws. Um, but, you know, watching, you know, it go from, you know, just a few people getting together to watch, you know, whether it be World Cup games or um, when it was Liverpool games, worth it being, you know, five, six people on, on a Saturday morning to, you know, Champions League final, we had, you know, 700 people in our bar. Um, it's been a pretty incredible growth, um, both of Liverpool supporting and also, you know, just soccer as a whole in Nashville. Uh, is it a huge difference in terms of like covering a team that is in Major League Soccer? I mean, does that enable you guys more access or um, does it obviously drive more fans in town? I mean, I know we were talking before the podcast, you mentioned, you know, their first game, they had like 60,000 people there compared to the, like the 9,000 they used to have before on like average. Um, how easy is it to be able to have access to a team and like cover a local team like that? I, I think a lot of, I mean, it, it's fairly easy and easy, um, you know, both uh, Speedway Soccer and then um, a couple other independent outlets, you know, Within USL, we were the only, you know, really coverage the team that had. Um, so, I mean, it's a lot of the same people that were, you know, both in, in the comms department um, as a whole. So, um, you know, us having spent that time, you know, on the on the front end um, really helped out. Because, I mean, it's, uh, you know, whether it be, um, well, before COVID, it was, you know, going to practice and, and watching training and things like that. Um, now it's a bit, press conferences are a bit different because they're, over zoom but uh, i mean i would say that you know from a media member access is is pretty easy to be had um but then you know for the average fan um it's definitely something that's growing being it's the sport as a whole is new in the city and i know obviously nash i mean the entire i mean every soccer league got hit hard with covid and major league soccer obviously being one of them um, and I know Nashville got hit extra hard because them and Dallas, right, uh, with positive tests, were not able to compete in like the tournament that they recently had. Um, does that, even seeing like how much it affects, you know, Premier League clubs in terms of like, you know, finance, finances from the gates, is that a huge hindrance to a new team, especially in Major League Soccer in terms of not having that income? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a big hindrance, um, especially uh, not just from the financial aspect, but from from a momentum uh, place where that you know they had the excitement of you know the season opener with sixty thousand people. Um, you had a pretty good showing against Portland, and then you know you don't have soccer for one hundred and fifty seven days um, in Nashville, and you know where this team is constructed right now. They were they had a chance to you know potentially make make an upset or two in, in the tournament, but. Um, now that Nashville has started playing games again, uh, definitely from from a momentum standpoint, I think it goes a long way of just you know people seeing the team, um, whether it be in person or on TV. Um, I think those are that's probably the thing that has been missed out as a whole is just the chance to build momentum and convert new fans. All right. Well, now that you're with us, I'm sure we'll be getting a lot of updates and you'll probably make the entire crew Nashville fans. So yeah, I'll give us a re- another reason to watch Major League Soccer. So let's go from Major League Soccer to the top of the soccer leagues, uh, aside from Premier League, obviously the Champions League. Uh, I mean, we both uh, work from home, so are able to access these like 2 p.m. games that maybe not every fan was able to. Uh, so let's start with the Champions League. You know, what are your thoughts overall? Uh, like, obviously, you know, Bayern and Barcelona are probably like the hot topics to talk about. But uh, what are your like biggest takeaways from like watching over the last week or so? I mean, I think since the Champions League is restarted, I think one of the biggest takeaways is, you know, how well um, the transition has been from uh, Turner to, to CBS and, and the talent that they've brought in um, just from the presentation aspect. But, I mean, I've been very impressed with everything that Barca- I mean, that Bayern Munich has done um, so far, um, from being able to blow teams out of the water to being able to, um, you know, find ways to win when, when teams are compact and, are also able to, uh, you know, make teams pay for their mistakes like we saw when they played Lyon. Um, so I've been very impressed with them. I, I mean, PSG coming out of that side of the group, not too surprising. I think, you know, looking at it, if you were, when you saw those, uh, that bracket set up, that was probably the team everyone picked to come out of there. Um, but I mean, they, they have had some impressive results and, you know, the ability to come from behind um, like they did against Atalanta. Yeah, I know. I almost thought Atlanta had a major disappointment for me. I literally left. I had to leave. I think it was like the 88th minute or something. I left. It was 1-0. I'm like, man, this is great. And then uh, by the time I got to my daughter's soccer field, the game was over and they had lost. So um, so let's start with Barcelona first because I think that's going to kind of eventually going to bring us to uh, Liverpool as well, the main topic. So uh, what did you think of their main collapse? I know like we were talking with a few other fans about this. Uh, in terms of like how we kind of like after Roma, I think we really piled on and started their destruction mode. Um, to them, to an average Barcelona fan uh, or the club itself, I guess, which one do you think was the worst score in this Champions League? The 4-0 loss in Anfield or the 8-2 against Bayern? Ooh, that's it. I think that... Possibly the 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 4-0 loss to Liverpool was probably uh, more damaging from a um, like a psychological aspect um, because we'd even seen you know with Roma as well um, and I just I think that the the 8-2 loss to to Bayern Munich was kind of a culmination of a lot of things um, that have gone wrong at that team for you know the for the best part of five years um, they their recruitment strategy has been um, less than ideal. I mean, 
when they haven't had very many of the players that they have brought in that have actually made a lasting impact. Uh, I mean, you look at uh, the Griezmann transfer, um, 120 million pounds or euros for that. Um, And he just, he, that's not a system that fits his style. um, And he has not made the impact. Um, And then you have, you know, their 140 million pound signing Philip Coutinho scoring against them. And it's been a, um, it's been a series of bad mistakes um, that is finally coming home to roost uh, with that club. Yeah, and obviously now the the fallout has already taken place, which, you know, a couple of the – I mean, I'm in a Discord channel with some, like, FIFA players and stuff like that, and uh, the main guy is actually, a, like, a huge Barcelona fan, and we were enjoying and just pounding on his misery throughout, throughout the game as we were watching, as we were chatting. And, I mean, his main thing was, like, obviously change from the top and stuff. But we can't say Barcelona and, you know, really couldn't care less, kind of enjoying the misery, uh, watching it from far away. But with the changes they have now, uh, obviously they brought Koeman in uh, to be in charge. And now one of the biggest rumors is with Genie, especially not signing his contract, uh, the Thiago talks are more and more out there. Uh, Melissa Reddy uh, mentioned it today, which kind of gives it a bit more of a, validity in terms of like source uh so what do you make out of that and if you had to make a choice today is a tough question Dave since you're new uh are you getting Thiago and letting Genie walk or would you rather keep Genie and sign him to an extension I don't know if that has to be an either or I think you could sign uh, when Alden to an extension, maybe not the the four years that's rumored out there that that he wants, but I think that you could um, do both. If you if you look at what Liverpool has right now, we we've let Lovren go, so um, down a fourth choice center center half. Um, you have the ability to with Thiago, who does something a bit different than what Wijnaldum brings to the team. Um, you have the ability to, you know, to let Fab drop back into center back if needed. Um, I think that it's not an either or, especially um, as we've seen with, you know, the fixture release as far as the dates, not just, you know, the teams that uh, Liverpool are going to be playing. But I think there's – you can never have too many midfielders. So I don't think it's necessarily um, an either or uh, situation with, you know, choosing to sign Thiago and letting – uh, when Alden walk or um, signing when Alden to an extension and, and foregoing um, Tiago. Man, see, you scare me now because I've heard this from a couple of different fans in terms of the possibility of Fab playing center back. And that to me is if, uh, exactly what City thought uh, this time last year, uh, thinking, hey, worst comes to worst, Fernandinho can play there. And we know how that panned out for them. It just was not a good experiment. And knowing, you know, the overall, like, health records, and some of them, especially in Gomez's case, it's been more, like, unlucky than anything else. But uh, Matip is obviously often injured. So we might end up in a similar situation where Fab is suddenly a starting center back next to Van Dijk. And I think that's kind of like a disaster scenario. I think the reason, I mean, even, like, Reddy's... Uh, article today in the guardian kind of like alluded to the fact that that's one of the things that's almost stopping it or like part of the decision-making process you know if genie is going to be able genie is going to leave and they cannot sign him and obviously coleman goes going to barcelona now kind of like because we were talking about in the last podcast where would he go you know why would he want to go and stuff like that and 
my theory, I remember like we talked with Chris uh, maybe like a month or so ago on a podcast, and he was the player that I thought is the only player that might want to leave this team just to play a different role, more like an attacking role, like similar to what he plays for the like the national team. And now the national team coach is suddenly the Barcelona coach. Um, so, I mean, do you see – what is your prediction? What do you think is going to happen six months down the road? Is Ginny here to stay or is that, that temptation uh, – because, you know – Barcelona campaign the wages he probably wants that we probably would not. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say that I, I do think I would not be surprised um, if he didn't sign an extension and, and then did leave, especially with with Koeman at Barcelona. But I want to go back to the the Fabinho thing. Um, you mentioned it being similar to Fernandinho, but I think it's a, a bit different because uh, Fabinho not only has we've seen him play. Uh, center back in this team um, but he also he played right back for the the Brazilian national team and he's played right back uh, at Monaco so he does have that defensive um, now set and a, a little bit more of an understanding um, from a uh, tactical setup of how a defender is going to play um, and let's be honest if he's going to be this guy sitting next to Van Dyke I mean I think there's a lot of uh, bums off the street that could probably look pretty good playing um, as a center back again, next to Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, I mean, like I say, I mean, compared to Fernandinho, yes. I mean, I mean, if you comparing, comparing like, you know, in terms of like skill level or like defensive, like prowess and kind of thing, I just feel like it's the same scenario where you're taking a midfielder that is kind of key when it was in his, you know, top form. I know like it kind of like went down a little bit in terms of like form in the second half of the year. But when he was really going, I mean, we were bossing that midfield and it was enabling, you know, like Hando and Genie and stuff like that to, you know, Keita to move up a bit more forward, knowing he had that totally under control. Um, I just worry about, you know, shifting those tiles just to plug up a hole that should probably be a lot easier to fill if we sign a fourth center back, uh, even if it is not like, obviously not a, like a top signing, but somebody who's actually natural for that role uh, as opposed to, you know, like, doing the whole rotation thing in midfield but would you rather spend i mean a, a second a second choice i mean a, a fourth choice center back is still going to cost you in, in the neighborhood of in this market let's say 20 million pounds would you not rather spend the additional 10 and bring tiago in ah oh, man good question damn it i'm supposed to ask tough questions today um you know what i think i would rather get the center back if it is a young center back, I think I would rather get the center back. I just, I mean, I love watching Thiago. I love how he plays. His injury record scares me for one. Um, and I really feel like we have that spot. Uh, I mean, we have the midfield covered. It's probably the deepest area of this team right now is midfield. So if we were going to spend, you know, the $30 million, well, let me flip that question around back to you now. So if you're spending 30 million, if I give you 30 million, I'm like, go spend it. Is that the part of the team that you spend that money on? I mean, we've already brought in a, a backup left back who uh, was yes. you know, one of my biggest concerns. I mean, if I only had 30 million, I mean, I think probably Tiago. I mean, there's not, there's not a, a front three player that you can bring in for 30 million. I'm, uh, Ishmael Sar is being being rumored at, at around forty is what what the what Watford wants for him. But I mean, at thirty million, you're able to bring in a guy who a um, has 
a skill set that no other midfielder on this team has. Um, you know, his ability to to create from deep, um, but also um, his his passing range. Uh, and I think it allows a little more tactical flexibility. We know we saw that you know Jurgen Klopp liked to play a four-two-three-one when he was at um, at Dortmund, uh, and he really hasn't done that at, at Liverpool. I just I think he, I think Thiago adds an, a different um, dynamic to this team that you can't get for. Uh, I mean, in this market, I don't know what else you better you can do with thirty million. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to have him on because it does, like you're saying, it does bring a lot. And the moment I heard the name, I thought the same thing. It makes it ideal for a 4-2-3-1, um, you know, either with Fab or even Hendo in that spot, like next to him. Um, I just feel like, I think knowing what you have, I'd rather hang on to Genie. Uh, but I have a feeling that. You know, in terms, if you look at like Genie's situation, it is probably uh, he's probably going to get his payday, uh, which is probably his last payday in terms of like age, and probably I would think Barcelona is going to be paying the wages that we will not want to pay for a player at his age. Uh, so with that whole scenario changing, two weeks ago, you know, we were talking about you know what would be his next challenge, where would he go, and stuff like that. And suddenly all this like unfolding, it just became like uh, writing on the wall almost as to where he goes. I mean, let's see what happens over the next few weeks. Uh, I think once this Champions League final is over, uh, that whole Thiago thing will fall into place anyway. But So let's talk about that final. Who do you have? I mean, I think both from a looking at it objectively, uh, I mean, I think that Bayern Munich it's um, much better suited, especially um, down, down to a midfield battle, uh, is much better suited for the game. Um, but from a uh, subjective aspect, um, I just do not want to see a PSG team that um, has been funded and financed uh, a, the same way that Manchester City has um, through a, a sovereign wealth fund. Um, I just do not want to see them uh, have success um, at the European level. Um, so... I think on on both aspects, uh, I I have Bayern. Yeah, because when we, you know, when the Champions League restarted, my thing was anybody but City uh, in terms of who should win. And then the moments, you know, you saw City dance away, uh, it was it became to me anybody but PSG because I personally hate Neymar with a passion, and I mean like a deep passion. So uh, he's the guy that you know I used to normally in World Cups when. Uh, Turkey doesn't make it, which sadly happens a lot. Uh, it, it would be my default team just because I enjoy like the way they play and stuff like that. It has stopped me from like rooting for Brazil, for God's sakes. I hate the guy uh, that much. So I would rather have Bayern win. And I almost feel like, you know, like Olympic Leon in that beginning of that game with those deep balls kind of like exposed them. I know that was partially because coming off of that 8-2 victory, uh, they kind of started a bit more relax if you will kind of let those balls go through or in some ways it could be good because my thought was man PSG is not is gonna make Bayern pay if they play the same way against them yeah I don't think that I don't think Bayern will play the same way I think there was a bit of complacency a coming off of you know just having beat Barcelona 8-2 but also the fact that um oh it's just Lyon um 
and I mean, I think that that's the same thing that happened with Manchester City as well. They they uh, came into that match thinking that oh, it's just Leon. We don't have to have to worry as much. But um, I mean, we saw that uh, Arwar being able to play those balls in uh, and get in behind uh, Alaba um, specifically, who I think uh, is probably where we would see this team be targeted. Um, with you know, he has not played a whole lot of center back. He doesn't have a long career of playing a center back, um, but. I, and I also think it'll be interesting um, as someone who has, you know, followed and uh, is a big MLS fan to see Alfonso Davies, who, yes, he's Canadian, but still feels a bit like he belongs. <laughs> as close as we can get. Yeah, well, he just feels like he belongs a bit to the to the American soccer landscape and the American soccer development. Um, so definitely I've been very impressed with him so far. And, I mean, I think that he'll have the opportunity um, to get forward and maybe uh, – you know those overlapping runs that we saw him uh, be able to do against uh, against Barcelona, but I think it's going to come down to the midfield and whether um, Goretzka and and Thiago are able to to nullify uh, Mbappe in the middle. Um, they did that fairly well against Messi, but um, it, I think Mbappe is, is a bit different as being a, with his speed and his his size um, is going to be a, an even greater challenge. Yeah, he is definitely amazing to watch. I feel bad for him because he has to play with Neymar. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that kid is amazing to watch. And it, it's like a soccer player that you know, I wish he wasn't playing for PSG because uh, I do like how he plays and how he carries himself and stuff like that overall as well. But, yeah, as long as he's playing against Neymar. And, not, yeah, I mean, you're right, too, in terms of, like, how that team is financed and built and stuff like that uh, makes it harder to root for. Uh, but then seeing Bayern on the other side, I mean, they were like a machine against Barcelona. It was just ridiculous. Uh, I mean, that's partially because, you know, Barcelona is in shambles too. But uh, I think it was more, I mean, their depth. I mean, that bench, the players that come off the bench and stuff is just obnoxious. But, I mean, it was especially funny to see Coutinho come in and do what he did against Barcelona uh, I mean, it's – and I knew the only downfall was I was like, well, cue the Coutinho back to Liverpool chatter that never seems to freaking go away for some reason. But uh, So what do you think for a uh, little uh, back pain Phil over there? Do you think he's going to be now with the coaching change and stuff like that, he does end up staying in Barcelona? I mean, I think this is probably his, his best chance. Um because I, I struggle to see um, – we've seen that, that Byron doesn't, doesn't want his, his contract long-term. I mean, I think you're going to struggle to find a place to offload him um, that, A, are going to want to pay the transfer fee that's going to be required of him, and, and B, are going to want to take on his wages. So, I mean, I think it gives him a chance for a bit of a, a, bit of a fresh start. Um, but we'll, we'll see what all kind of other changes come in with this team. I think there's a lot of – major surgery that needs to take place within that that Barcelona team so uh, it could be a situation of, of they just decide to hold on to him for for now um, or if someone comes in I just I struggle to see where else Coutinho go, goes other than maybe I feel like PSG is is a legit could be a legitimate option I just I struggle to see who brings in Coutinho yeah, I mean, it almost feels like that Barcelona team is going to start somehow the dominoes. I just don't know if it's going to be this year or not. You would think getting a new coach in part of the discussion would have been 
what are you going to do with these guys that we signed for boatloads of money and we can get the best out of? Uh, obviously, Coutinho, Griezmann, Dembele. Uh, and you would think that had to be part of the conversation that Coleman is going to be able to work them in somehow or you know have a better system in mind coming in that's going to solve some of those problems because you can't keep buying people at 150 and, you know, selling them at 70 <laughs> and get your team younger at the same time and stuff. But that's their problem to worry about. We just like stay over here and watch the uh, misery. I just wish it wouldn't affect us in the long run, but I feel like it's almost like whatever they offload or sign will start some dominoes. And with the transfer season going further into the season, which I hate, I think that it will somehow affect us, uh, hopefully not too much. But So how about the other um, final in the Europa, the Little Boys League? I mean, I think that um, while I want to pick Inter, because they, they've played some some pretty uh, entertaining uh, entertaining football, it's just it's hard to pick against Sevilla um, because, you know, it's almost like the saying that, like, um, you know, at the end of the day, you play the game of football and the Germans win. It's almost like you play a Europa League tournament and Sevilla wins. So um, I, I, I think that I think it'll be an interesting matchup um, with, you know, I know a lot of people may see this. Oh, it's 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 just Sevilla and, and Inter who has a lot of bit lost a bit of their their cachet of, of years past. But I think it'll be a pretty entertaining game, um, you know, seeing some of those uh, Premier League, former Premier League stars with Lukaku and Sanchez and Erickson. But, you know, Suso looked really good against United and um, could also prove to be the difference maker for Sevilla as well. Yeah, I think the only reason, I mean, I'll be watching it more as a, you know, like a casual fan, just enjoying the sport kind of thing. But uh, the only reason I kind of want Inter to win is I know United fans just hate it. Um, I mean, you're newer to the podcast, but my brother, unfortunately, is a United fan, which, you know, every family has one of those guys uh, that is like goes the wrong route. But uh, I know he hates the fact that, you know, watching your ex-players that you paid a boatload of money on uh, and you couldn't do anything with just freaking like tearing it up on the other side, especially Lukaku. I mean, Sanchez, not as much maybe. Uh, but seeing him and Ashley Young, it's like Manchester United be over there winning it while they just freaking lost to Sevilla and went back home. It's just entertaining to watch. So I think if I want Inter to win, that's probably like the main reason. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's always enjoyable to see um, a team or to see players that uh, another team, hit, uh, like someone like United has d- deemed not good enough, go on and accomplish way more uh, somewhere else. So let's go back to our boys. Uh, not as much news, obviously, aside from the whole Thiago Genie thing we kind of like touched up on. But the schedule came out. That's probably like the only like the big news that kind of like affects us. Uh, Starwood leads a classic, which I thought it was a nice touch. Somebody's doing their homework there. Uh, but what did you think overall when you kind of look at the schedule? What are your like? What's your initial takeaway? I mean, I think you know, looking at the schedule, I think it it looks very similar to has how it has the past two years. Um, a lot of those uh, big games against tough opponents uh, away from home in the first half, followed by, you know, in the second half of the season, having those teams um, at home, which, you know, maybe by second half of the season, we should see fans back in the stadium. Um, but I think the two big things that I look at is um, the festive period is what do those teams look like when we're uh, when they come thick and fast 
in that December uh, time. And then what's the run in look like? And I think that both of those with, you know, your last four games being Southampton, West Brom, Burnley, and Crystal Palace. I think those are um, pretty favorable fixtures. And then, you know, other than really Tottenham in the middle of December, um, having, you know, some good, some easier games then in in a more congested time will, uh, will prove uh, helpful for this team. Yeah, I agree. I thought especially, I mean, I agree with the fact that, you know, playing those games home the second half, you know, the optimist in me says by then we will have fans and it's kind of like better to kind of like save those for the second half where I mean, we know how great Anfield has been, especially with fans in it. So uh, that's I, that was my biggest takeaway too, just kind of like taking a look at that. But And I also like some news came across today in terms of like FIFA changing some of their national uh, team uh, schedule. Uh, I think like they moved the week that was supposed to be either end of this month or beginning of next month to end of January, beginning of February, which affects every division, I think, except European players. So for us, I mean, it even includes Minamino, aside from the guys that are going to, you know, uh, like the African qualifiers, uh, includes Minamino as well, because those guys are playing. I think pretty much everybody except UFA is basically going to be playing. Hopefully they will kind of adjust that. I mean, it's not like we're the only team affected by it. I almost feel like that's what I always found odd when Major League Soccer kept going when there was like a World Cup going on and stuff. I'm like, how is that fair to a team that has good players because your good guys are gone? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I definitely think that it it, it does affect the teams. I think, I think we're going to see with both, um, you know, leagues play and international play is there's going to be a lot of figuring things out as they come. So, yeah, I know there's, there's been some talk there, but I think a lot of that could change um, by, uh, you know, by January. I mean, it could change by the time this podcast goes out. Um, but, I mean, it, it's definitely a concern, um, you know, with the Liverpool team. But, like you said, it's going to affect everybody. I mean, with all the signings that's going to happen over the next few weeks, even looking at, you know, the schedule, it's kind of hard to gauge – uh, who's going to be more dangerous compared to last year and stuff like that. We're kind of like more basing it off of, you know, last year's performances and stuff like that. I mean, there are always certain, you know, stadiums that's hard to go to as an away game and stuff like that. But it's kind of like always hard to tell how well the schedule will work in the beginning. But just based on that, I thought, you know, there was nothing to complain about at least. So that was like definitely nice to see. So, um so obviously we have a lot going on, uh, yourself included. We have a bunch of new contributors uh, doing a lot of new stuff for the new season. And one of the things we're actually going to be doing is the fantasy football thing, which fantasy American football I can do. Uh, but do you? How are you with fantasy sports overall? So I made the decision about uh, four or five years ago that I – don't do any fantasy sports <laughs> whatsoever. Cold uh, turkey, you just quit. <laughs> I just, I just, just cold turkey. And a lot of it came down to the fact that I was tired of cheering for specific players to do very specific things. Like I wanted uh, Sergio Aguero to score three goals, but I also wanted Manchester City to lose. Um, I was just tired of, of of that feeling, so I made the decision to. Uh, 
you know, cut out all fantasy, fantasy sports as a whole. Um, and it's really quite freeing. Um, I do a little bit of like, uh, they they do they do a thing for for MLS. It's more of like you know predicting wins, draws, those kinds of things. Okay. But other than that, like I don't do any kind of fantasy stuff, and it's it's just a yeah. See, I have higher hopes for that because we're gonna be doing like a prediction, like a predictor league as well uh, as American Scouts are on the website. And I'm yeah, I have a lot more hope on that. I just find that I I now like I was never into the fantasy football, fantasy soccer, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but having done like American football, I was like, yeah, I should be able to do it. I find out now that my hatreds for certain soccer teams really affects my bias and my judgment. Uh, so I just make a lot of irrational choices. Uh, whereas I was able to look past those mostly on American football. I only had like one or two teams, maybe because I've been in the soccer world a lot longer my entire life you build that hatred a lot more over the years, but yeah, it's going to be tricky, but I'm going to learn. I'm going to do it. Uh, see if I can beat it. I'm not, I'm not ready to go cold Turkey yet, but uh, we're going to have Ola actually, who's uh, the winner of last season going to be joining us for a podcast next week. So maybe he can talk some sense into us and tell us how to do these things. I don't know if he has a secret of uh, how to do it while still staying as a hardcore Liverpool fan, but that's, I agree. That's what I find the hardest is, I just can't root for, you know, somebody on City or somebody on United to score. And you're not going to have a great fantasy team, I think, if you don't have people from the top six except Liverpool. Yeah, no, definitely. You, you, can't, you can't do well without um, other top four players on there. And, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's been nice. Um, I think that one of the other things that made it easier – um, to step away from, from fantasy premier league stuff was the fact that they'd yet to institute the, I know they've added this, but like draft kind of set up where like you would have to take players and kind of set up uh, rather than, you know, every team can't have Trent Alexander Arnold playing, to, uh, playing in the defense. Um, <laughs> but um, so I think that, that that's been, that's been my thing, but uh, I uh, plan on plan on staying away uh, and not getting sucked back oh, in. Oh, we're going to lure you in. Once you listen to Ola next week, you'll be lured in. <laughs> so let's see if we can lure you on this. But everything actually we're about to start doing is a FIFA tournament. Uh, the 21 is coming out. I'm a huge gamer myself and probably spend way too goddamn much time playing FIFA. But uh, that's a different story. And that's another like uh, session there. But um, so that's we're going to be starting that. The new game comes out in October. But we've kind of figured we'd do like a preseason tournament and see uh how it flows are you a gamer are you a fifa guy as well or? yeah i'm a fifa guy as well i've actually been playing the um i have access to the the beta the, tw- the fifa 21 beta so i've been playing the the beta and, and playing some of the new stuff so uh yeah no i'm a big big fifa guy as oh, well Oh man, all right we have like an insider then so what kind of tips can you give us uh, or is it the same game with better graphics as always uh, i mean there's there's a little bit more um, there's a new whipped cross feature. So it's more of like the kind of balls that both uh, Robbo and Trump will play in those lower, uh, faster crosses, um, like those head height balls. Um, I've, uh, I, like, I only got access to two of the modes. So I have access just to the regular, like, kickoff mode and then also Volta, which I play a good bit of. Um, but uh, one of the other guys that um, on our site, he's gotten access to the... Uh, um, manager mode, the career mode, and it, 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 there's a lot of new things coming. That's, that's really been the mode that they've revamped the most um, with the ability to train guys at new positions um, and things like that. So I think that 
I think that 21 is going to be a bigger change um, that we've seen uh, for a while. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, I, I'm going to freaking buy either way. I'm playing yeah, no, same. in hours either way, I guess. So it doesn't matter. They kind of got us right now. But uh, yeah, so that's going to be like another one of the things. And obviously, uh, yourself included, we have several new contributors. So we have like, you know, a bunch of special segments for all the stuff we mentioned along with like, you know, for obviously uh, our main focus, which is Liverpool in terms of like, you know, pregames. I think one area that we felt is, does not get covered as well and sadly by the club as well, obviously, since they got relegated. It's like the women's team, the youth team. Uh, I feel like we don't get as much information about them uh, until they, you know, especially for the youth team, they start suddenly popping up. So we're going to be doing a lot more coverage on those guys and everything as well. So uh, a lot of interesting stuff in the works. So uh, stay tuned to American Scouser. Uh, regularly check the site and our, definitely our Facebook page because there's – Definitely a lot going on, and it will be even more in the next two to three weeks here. Uh, so, Jonathan, thanks for joining us. Uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, any wishes aside from Tiago? No, I mean, uh, I mean, if I could get Tiago and Sara, I think I'd be a very, very happy person. Um, but no, n- nothing else from my end. Uh, yeah, hope I, I wouldn't mind Tiago, but I'm still keen on getting somebody up front who can kind of like relieve uh, Mane and Salah and a center back. I just don't want to put Fabinho there, but we can go back and forth on that. (laughs) So thanks a lot again. And thanks to all for listening. Uh, Like we talked about, just stay tuned. There's a lot happening and we appreciate your guys' support. So as always, we'll never walk alone.